Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to our very first episode of Monsters of Our Dimension. Where we will be discussing everything from the horrible monsters that exist in true crime cases, whether it be high profile or more obscure ones. And that includes missing and unsolved cases, because let's be realistic, these monsters don't get caught most of the time, sadly. So all the monsters, legends, demon possessions, and all the things that exist in the supernatural. I'm your host, Kelly Gomez. And I'm your co-host, Alan Moran. New episodes will be available every Monday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube, where you can subscribe and follow. You can also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Monsters of Our Dimension. Now, before I start the case, I first heard about it on ABC's Missing on Hulu. And ever since watching Leanne's episode, this case has not left my mind. I used to submit her case to other true crime podcasts that I follow, but because they have much bigger platforms, I was never quite sure if their submission got lost somewhere, but it never got picked up. She is the reason why we decided to start podcasting. Leanne's case deserves more attention. It's been 22 years since she's been missing, and it's about time that her case finally gets solved. My hope is that with this episode, it helps the case get more attention, but this will only be possible if you, the listeners, help spread the word. We will be posting photos and information on our Instagram if you want to help by using hashtag FindLeanne. Yeah, guys, remember every every little piece of information helps and we're really trying to bring a lot of light to this case. So today our case sources are theunfoundpodcast.com, missingkids.org, leannehausberg.org, abc7newyork.com, newyorktimes.com, charlieproject.org, namuse, njj.ogp.gov, and original.newsbreak.com. The National Crime Information Center reports that in 2016, there were 5,712 reports of missing American Indian and Alaska Native women and girls through the U.S. Department of Justice Federal Missing Person Database, NAMUS, only logged 116 cases. Leanne Marie Hausberg is one of those 116 cases. I think that that's a very small amount of cases to be logged in, don't you think? Yes, compared to the amount of cases that were supposed to be logged in, yeah, that's that's too little. They haven't done the correct amount of logins, and it's just insane that all those just went by and they didn't report them or any of the such. And mostly, I think it's because it's American Indian woman. Yeah. Leanne Marie Hausberg was born in August 9th, 1984. Born with a small scar on her right cheek, she was described as a happy-go-lucky kid with beautiful brown eyes and brown hair. She enjoyed writing in her spare time, loved pop music, and was a member of her school's chorus group. Leanne lived in 1516 16th Street in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, New York, with her mother, Robin, her stepfather, Alan, and her twin sisters, Danielle and Nicole. As she got older, her parents were busy and working a lot, and they were not as involved as they should have, according to her dad, Alan Artale. When she was 12, she had become more private, more to herself. Her parents had a feeling that there was a lot going on in her life, but she wouldn't talk about it. 
Her dad thought social pressures, but her mom Robin did not like the friends she was hanging out. She felt like they were a bad influence on Leanne, and why she started to become more withdrawn. Unfortunately, six months before Leanne went missing, Robin had a stroke in September of 1998 at only 34 years old. Leanne's mom was no longer able to take care of Leanne or her twin daughters, and at only 14 years old, Leanne had to take on her mom's responsibilities, and she really struggled with that. Leanne began to cut school and fail classes, and now she even became more withdrawn and distant than ever. I believe that at only 14 years old, you know, taking care of twin sisters, taking care of your mom, taking care of the house, it's a lot of responsibilities for a 14-year-old. It is, and just a traumatic event of your mom going through a stroke, it's very traumatizing, and I can only imagine the, the amount of pressure that she was under, and who knows what else was going on. As you said, like, nobody really knew what was going on in her life. It was just a complete mystery at this point. And also at 14 years old, if you really think about it, like you're a teenager, like, you know, you kind of go through a life changing experience, I believe, as a teenager. Yeah. I mean, you're really trying to find yourself and it's very hard when, you know, a lot of obstacles are in your way. Exactly. Now, this is where the case really begins. It's Thursday, March 18th, 1999. Danielle, one of Leanne's younger sister, was sleeping in the living room when Leanne suddenly woke her up. Danielle recalls how it was weird that Leanne woke her up because she never did that. Leanne asked if she could borrow her jacket and her sister said, quote, yeah, you could borrow it. As she was leaving, Leanne told her sister, quote, I'll see you after school. Danielle didn't know it at the time, but that would be the last time she would ever see Leanne again. When she hadn't come back from school, her father, Alan, started to get worried. As the hours passed by, concern grew to where Alan went out and started searching for them in the neighborhood. At the time, there was a deli located next to the apartment, as well as a laundromat around the corner. When he asked the workers if they had seen Leanne, they all responded, quote, that they have not seen her. The next morning, when she still didn't show up, that is when they decided to file a missing report with the police. After reporting and opening the case with the police, Alan went everywhere in the city in search of Leanne with family, friends, or by himself. The searches would start all day and continue through the night. Alan recalls going up to Hunts Point Market, which is a huge market that sells all kinds of produce located in Bronx, New York. And now remember, the family was living in Brooklyn, and that's a whole borough away. So depending on the traffic, getting to bronx you're talking about an hour two hours the most yeah i also want to point out that for a stepfather he's very committed to her a lot of stepfathers don't really step up and you know i i really don't see him as a suspect at this point because of how committed he is you know to, to finding her so i just wanted to point that out i agree a few days after leanne went missing leanne's grandma from her dad's side received a strange phone call when the grandmother answered hello and someone responded with, hello, Leanne is all right. Then they hang up. It was a female voice. Unfortunately, the grandmother did not know who it was. Alan asked if that voice sounded like Leanne's and the grandmother responded with certainty. No, it didn't sound like Leanne. There are no reports available that state if the call was traced by the police or if they even followed up on it. Now, this call really like haunts me when i like saw the documentary i was like okay 
that's very weird i wonder who like made the call for leanne was it really leanne because i know the grandmother said that like she doesn't think it was leanne but like you never know yeah i mean maybe she did call and she just sounded so distressed that it was so unrecognizable to her grandmother you know who's usually just used to hearing her happy or you know more calm but yeah no that that phone call would put any anybody at an unease because like imagine having somebody missing and then you just get such a phone call I can only imagine, you know, the thoughts that were racing through the family and it's just very disturbing at this point. And I feel like it kind of sucks because it gave the family like somewhat of a glimmer of hope. I know like if it weren't me, I would be like, okay, like we need to trace this call like right away. Right. Or it could do the opposite and make them feel completely scared you know like oh my god my daughter why didn't she stay on the phone or you know why didn't she tell me where she was or you know so many questions were raised by this i mean it is a a it could be either a good or a bad sign this depending on the perspective of course yeah i agree alan decided to search for clues in leanne's room and that is when they found a black diary this diary is where leanne vented on the struggles at home and contained secrets the diary started from the back and ended in the front. It was upside down. One of the entries was dated January 4th, 1999, where she confessed to cutting school and getting drunk. She's also admitted that she was failing school, as Alan continued reading on on what he read next, has haunted him till this day. It read, and I quote, My father is an asshole. If I run away, it will be my fault. The parents don't know what us kids go through. They will say, you got it easy. We might got it easy, but we have a lot of problems. My father is so hard on me, I feel like I should commit suicide. It's very harsh words, especially to hear as a father. Um, You know, you try to be very, um, very strict as a dad, obviously, especially towards girls. Um, but yeah, that's that's very heartbreaking to hear. I agree. And I can't imagine what the stepfather, Alan, felt just reading that. Guilt, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely a lot of guilt. Yeah. Her diary also revealed a lot of names, like the name Matthew. Matthew and Leanne started dating when he was in junior high. He was 15 years old at the time and was living in Florida. The police questioned Matthew after Leanne's disappearance. Matthew states that the day before she went missing, Matthew was at the YMCA talking to her on a payphone, arguing, when Matthew decided to just hang up the phone on her. After that day, they never spoke again, because the next day is when Leanne disappeared. Wow. And I, if I remember correctly, I don't even think the parents knew that Leanne had a boyfriend. All right. Do you think it's a coincidence that you know he was the last person to communicate with her well he lives in florida so i don't really see it as sus or suspicion or anything yeah another name that appeared in her diary was barry when leanne was 13 she had come home with a new watch when her parents asked her about it they learned that she went to a party with her friend marilyn it was at that party that leanne met barry who was 19 at the time Barry was the one that gave Leanne the watch, and he also gave one to her friend, Marilyn. 
Alan and Robin made sure Leanne gave back the watch to Barry. As for Leanne's friend, Marilyn, she refuses to speak with Alan about Leanne's case to this day. Wow. When it came to the investigation itself, phone records from the apartment were investigated. It was discovered that at 6.04 in the morning, the day that Leanne disappeared, a phone call was made from the family's apartment to a transportation company in East New York, Brooklyn. At the bottom of the phone record, the detective wrote, quote, 6.04 a.m., call from Leanne's house to Bruins Transportation. Then, at 9 a.m., a call was made to a car service. Getaway Car Service, that's the name of the car service, which was located no less than two blocks from the family apartment. Now, just as a reminder, remember that after she left the apartment, she was supposed to be on her way to school. She ended up skipping school, calling all these transportation companies. Do, do we really know where she was headed at this point? So, based on the information right now, she first made a call to Bruins Transportation at 6.04 in the morning. And then at 9 a.m., she made a call to the getaway car service. Right, but that's so suspicious because school doesn't even start at 6 in the morning. So she had this, this was definitely premeditated at this point. Like, she knew exactly what she wanted to do. She was just trying to see what what the possibilities were, what her options were. So I believe, yeah, she was calling, contacting different transportation companies to see what, what, her, what were her best options at this point. Yeah, or so it seems. Right. The cops believed that Leanne was once again cutting school and that she left to the car service after speaking with her sister, Danielle, on that fateful day. Getaway Car Service confirmed that they had received a call at 9.10 a.m. and that it had picked up a girl fitting Leanne's description at around 9.30 in the morning and dropped her off to a location at around 10-ish. She was dropped off at Liberty Avenue and East New York, the site of Bruins Transportation, which is about eight miles away from the family apartment in Bensonhurst. Just to give a little background on Bruins Transportation, the company was going through a lawsuit at the time. The day before Christmas in 1998, a white and silver charter bus operated by Bruins Transportation was carrying 23 people from Brooklyn to Atlantic City, New Jersey at around 10.30 in the morning. The driver suddenly lost control of the bus. The bus was spinning uncontrollably in the Garden State Parkway before tumbling down a 100-foot embankment. Eight bus passengers were killed and 15 others were injured, which resulted in the family members suing the transportation company. Now, if you look at these pictures, that accident was terrible. I mean, we're talking about completely just going over the parkway and you're tumbling down, and it's a big bus. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Um, just the fact that so many deaths happened, you can only imagine how, how much of a impact that drop had i mean we're talking about a hundred feet drop and this bus weighs more than eighty thousand pounds like this is yeah this is not good this was serious the owner of bruins transportation at the time when questioned about leanne 
did state that his memory was very foggy at the time because he had a lot going on with the tragedy that had occurred. He was asked, quote, if Leanne called there at 6.04 in the morning on a Thursday, who do you think she was trying to reach? He responded, quote, maybe the mechanic and cleaners? He was also asked by the police, quote, would there be a way for a teenage girl to get onto the property and you would never have seen her? He responded, possible. You never saw her on the property? I don't remember. Wow. Very standoffish, don't you think? A little bit. But also, to play devil's advocate, he really couldn't have known what's going on. Right. The question now is, who was Leanne going to see at Bruins Transportation? To back up just a little bit, when Alan went searching for clues in Leanne's room, Apart from finding the diary, he had also discovered a piece of paper with a name and phone number. One of the detectives also told Alan that he believed when the cab getaway car service picked Leanne at 9.30 in the morning, it is consistent with the cab driver's cell phone record, which indicates that a phone call was made to a man that worked at Bruins Transportation at 10.07 in the morning, which was around the same time that Leanne would have been getting dropped off at Bruins Transportation. When they compared the name and number that Alan had discovered to the number that appeared in the cab driver's cell phone record, it was a perfect match. Can you guess who the person is? I can't tell me. Barry. Wow. Remember, that's the 19-year-old that she had met a few years prior. Okay, so at this point, I guess we can say they have a thing, right? Like, they, she's cutting school to meet up with this guy, and obviously it's probably just like, what, a high school fling or, or, you know, like this little romantic thing going on? Well, if they would have met a few years before and he was already 19, he's definitely a lot older now. Right, right. So he's not in high school anymore. She still is. No, right, but she's, like, more, like, I guess more infatuated with him, you know? So she's, like, taking time out of her day to cut class to meet up with him, you know, the, the whole classic love scenario, you know? That is a good theory, but at the same time, all we have is the phone records, her getting dropped off at the ruins transportation you know apart from those little things that have been released in the diary nothing else has been released okay so we don't know if she mentioned barry even further in her diary right but it is a good theory the police got a hold of barry and when they interviewed him he immediately asked for a lawyer Oof. nothing further could be done so sadly nothing further happened in August of 2021, Nicole, Leanne's sister, contacted a private investigator. The private investigator is generously working on this case pro bono for the family. So pro bono means for free and for the public good. Right. The private investigator stated that what would really solidify the case is to confirm if Leanne took the car service that day and if she was 100% indeed the one inside that car. It could help piece the timeline more correctly and eliminate suspects and be able to concentrate on one person. 
Now, the reason why the private investigator is stating this is because, yes, even though the police did ask the cab driver and he did say that, yes, it fit Leanne's description, you're never truly 100% sure. So that's why really just helping guarantee that that was really hurt really eliminates a lot of possibilities. Right, Nana. So going back to what you said, uh, Barry immediately called for a lawyer when he was questioned about it. Yes. Isn't that like a red flag to you? Because if he truly cared about her, don't you think like he would really try to help answer the questions instead of immediately asking for a lawyer? I, I that rings red flag to me right away. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. When interviewed by ABC's Missing, Barry did confirm that he did work at Bruins Transportation on March 18, 1999, cleaning buses. He also confirmed that he did know Leanne. He had met her at a party about a year and a half prior. He talked about how back in 1999, the police did show up at Bruins Transportation to speak with him. He states that he told the cops that Leanne did not come to see him at Bruins that day that she disappeared. And that the last time he remembers speaking with her was just a few days before that. Obviously, we know that is a lie. The reporter told Barry that the taxi driver called him specifically and that there are phone records that prove it. Barry insists that he did not receive a phone call from anybody. And what I really love about this reporter from ABC's Missing is that she does not hold back. And she tells him that there are people out there that feel that he knows a lot more than he's telling. But all he says is that he hopes Leanne is okay and that he does not know where she could be. Now, as a reminder, Barry has not been charged with anything related to Leanne's disappearance till this day. All right, they can't really prove anything. But, I mean, at this point, I don't buy it. You know, anybody can say, yes, I want I want her to be okay. You know, I want her, you know, to talk about her well-being. But, you know, like, let's be real. Like, how many serial killers say that just to, you know cover their tracks or make themselves feel less guilty or seem less guilty of the crimes they committed honestly they really have to just look at the fact that he called for a lawyer right away like that's that's for me that that would be evidence enough you know what i'm saying but as for other leads the private investigator has tried to investigate if her friends know what happened to leanne on that fateful day The private investigator feels that her friends just might not know enough or they haven't found the right individual. But Leanne's father, Alan, feels quite differently. Back in 1999, right after her disappearance, Alan found basically a list of phone numbers that Leanne personally wrote. This list contained all the people that she knew. These were not just casual friends that she met at a park for a day. These were people that were mentioned in her diary consistently. Friends that Leanne had met and hung out with every day in high school. As any parent would, Alan called each number and to his surprise, people in that list literally told him that they never knew her. Leanne's two sisters, have even stated that present day they themselves have tried to contact her friends through facebook and they don't even respond wow i find that to be very weird yeah i mean i guess me just theorizing this maybe like 
she might have went to a, a party or some sort and maybe they were all there and maybe something happened to her they all witnessed it and maybe they just all decided to stay hush hush about it you know maybe in theory yeah. but who knows at this point her best friend that ABC's missing was able to get in touch with her. Her name is Christina. She states that it's been very difficult. They had their whole lives together. They promised that they were going to have their sweet 16s together and go to the same college. She did provide new insight on Leanne. She revealed that the weekend before she went missing, Leanne had locked herself in the bathroom and was crying and told Christina, and I quote, I don't want to go home. I don't want to go home. I want to be here in the house with you guys. Christina found out about her disappearance because her family automatically assumed that Leanne would be at Christina's. From there, Christina and her mom went to visit Leanne's parents and they asked her if she can make sure nothing was missing from Leanne's room. Christina confirmed that her diary, jewelry, clothes, and the secret place where she hid her money was not missing money was still there. Christina believes that till this day that Leanne did not run away. Leanne's sister Nicole has gone as far as to do TikToks, begging for people to come forward with information. Alan believes that the police did not do a good investigation. Why? According to him, there is evidence that shows certain individuals were involved. And I believe that what Alan, the stepfather, is talking about is most likely Barry. Barry. But, yeah, that's usually the case nowadays. You know, like, a lot of these cases don't get the justice that they deserve or the proper investigations. You know, there's just not a lot a lot of evidence to connect with these suspects and not, not a lot of follow-ups either on the current suspects or the suspects that should be primary suspects. And if I was a police, I would definitely be looking into barry yeah. and all the friends that were listed on that diary because you know the the proof is in the pudding like why would she mention these people in her own personal diary if she had no 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 bonds or connections towards them you know a diary is very personal you know obviously she would put very personal information into that and it just doesn't add up to me and especially like as a teenage girl a diary is literally the, their most sacred thing exactly Robin, Leanne's mother, still remembers the very last conversation that she had with Leanne, which is chilling and just as I feel a premonition in a way. Quote, as Leanne was watching missing children on the TV screen, she told her mom, mom, do they ever find these missing children? And her mom responded with, quote, Leanne, I hope to God that's not going to be you because my heart would go out every day if you are missing. Leanne said, Mom, I'm just asking about that. Every year on Leanne's birthday, her family celebrated. They come together to remember her and wish that one day she will come back to them. Leanne Marie Hausberg was last seen wearing a red and black bubble jacket with a blue t-shirt, jeans, blue Timberland work boots, and black earrings with embedded white stones. She was carrying a black wallet slash purse and was last seen standing on a street corner in Bensonhurst neighborhood in the New York City borough of Brooklyn on March 18, 
1999. She was on 6th and 7th Street at approximately 9 a.m. Please, if you know anything about the disappearance of Leanne Marie Hausberg, call the NYPD Missing Person Squad at 212-694-7781. Tips can be kept anonymous. For everyone else, use social media to share tips about Leanne at hashtag FindLeanne or visit her family's website at leannehausberg.org for more information. I will also link in the show notes the Facebook group that Alan has created. You can follow the group to get more up-to-date information and help spread the word about her case. Guys, every little bit helps. Like, you don't understand what the family has gone through. Um, you know, losing somebody is and not knowing what happened to them is honestly the worst thing that you know that can happen. You don't get any closure, so any piece of information really can help. Yes, really. And I also want to reiterate, it's been 22 years. It's about time that this case gets solved. And just to kind of go back into what you were pointing at with Barry and how he immediately called a lawyer. I mean, I agree with you. My personal opinion, I would find that as a red flag immediately. But to play devil's advocate at the same time, you know, nowadays people do call it is a smart way, basically, to call a lawyer. Right. Um, you know, if you are innocent or if you're not innocent, realistically speaking, it is a smart thing to do. Right. So, you know, it would be very unfair to just be like, okay, well, he has something to do with it. Right. But I also don't want to not see him as a suspect. Right. I feel like the police really should have done more, in my opinion. And, you know, just to go back, it's 1999. Like, obviously things aren't as great now, but to even think about it, like, back in the day, 1999, like, I'm sure things were a lot worse. I wanted to point out that you're from Brooklyn, too, so... Yes. Like, imagine a 15-year-old girl living in, in Brooklyn at that time. Like, Brooklyn is, you know, not the best place now, so I can only imagine how it was back in the day. Can you give us, like, a little bit of perspective of how Brooklyn was when you were growing up? Well, when I was growing up, um, the area that I lived, it it wasn't the best. I It wasn't safe. There's a lot of people. I mean, if you're talking about a 15-year-old girl you easily can get lost like in a just go missing in a matter of seconds because that's how crowded it was and just how unsafe it is and you know i really want to ask you like what do you think happened to leanne like it sucks to ask this but do you think that she's still alive or Um, you don't think that she isn't i personally hope that she is um i hope that you know, she, for her own reasons, she stepped out of the way and, you know, and just decided to live her own life that she needed to. But honestly, that's usually not the case. I mean, if it's the 15-year-old girl that I think she is, then me personally, I love my family, you know, despite our, you know, our inconsistencies and our, like, you know, like, our problems i would always love my family to death i would always want to be around them i would always seek them you know despite you know despite anything i was very rebellious during my teenage years and i would say oh i hate my parents too but at the end of the day like i i truly did love them so i don't think that 
she left or ran away like you said like i believe that something happened to her within the friend group that she had they possibly you know like at that age you're you're swindled very easily you know you try to fit in with the crowd you try to fit in with with bad crowds and i i personally can relate to this because i was i was in a bad crowd when i was younger and at you know you're you're very open at that age to try new things and possibly what i think happened is that you know she went to a party or or a social gathering of some sort she was with the people that she most likely listed in the diary you know those were the closest people to her at the time where who she looked up to who she really enjoyed being around obviously they were not a good influence according to her mother and i can't say what truly happened to her maybe you know she took something that you know she was not supposed to as in drugs or something happened to her as in some maybe somebody could have killed her but honestly the possibilities are endless but at this point all i know is that she was definitely within a group of people that witnessed something and who knows what happened who knows if it was a mistake that they're trying to cover up or it was premeditated or who knows but i know that for sure that she did not run away and that i know that she even though she had her you know problems with her family she at the end of the day she would not just disappear like that and i also think i mean i agree with you 100 percent on that but i also feel like despite her being so angry at her parents i agree i don't think that she would disappear for many years and never come back just like how her friend christina pointed out and you know the thing is the main key to see here is that she had a secret stash of money and her money was still there that's a big key like if you're running away take everything like you're gonna need the money take everything take your at least your personal belongings the things that you truly hold dear to yourself you know you wouldn't leave that behind exactly and also i also want to talk about the other possibility of her committing suicide i don't think she committed suicide at all i know as a teenager she wrote that in her diary but we can teenagers can also be dramatic i know i used to be a very dramatic teenager myself and i just think she just wanted to vent and that was her safe space for venting essentially right to get the attention that she wanted to vent exactly so thank you for listening everyone please don't forget to leave us a review and we will see you next week thank you thank you for tuning in